Hi everybody, welcome to the fifth episode of The Altruistic Traveller. We're actually doing something new this time where I'm in Australia and our guest is in Siem Reap, Cambodia. Today's guest is founder of Plastic Free Cambodia, which is a branch of Plastic Free July and uh, also a friend of mine and fellow eco-warrior, Sarah Rhodes. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Bianca. Thanks so much for being on the podcast and um, joining in with this test run in two completely separate continents, which is amazing technology these days. So tell us a little bit about Plastic Free Cambodia and Plastic Free July. Sure, yeah. So like you said, uh, we originally started as um, running Plastic Free July, but over here in Cambodia, um, and Rebecca from Plastic Free July was really supportive, and they have a lot of great tools on their websites. We were able to use their logos and um, you know had a lot of other tips to help us get started. And then it kind of grew bigger than that. Like a lot of people in Siem Reap, which is um, where it began, but we're now in um, three other cities as well. But in Siem Reap, we started getting a lot of demand from training schools and businesses that wanted us to work with their staff so that the staff would understand about why we would want to avoid plastic as well. Okay. Um, so instead of just a campaign, we then branched off and, and developed an education program, um, which has grown even further. We're now providing business consulting uh, on top of that as well. So the need for the whole plastic-free campaigns in general, it started in Australia because just as a kind of, because we realized that we were using too much plastic. Is that kind of the idea behind it? Yeah, I think it's um, stemmed from the problems that we see with waste management, um, that recycling is no longer sufficient to, to deal with this. And the realization that plastic that we're using is it's designed to last forever, but we're using it for products that we're using for just a few minutes. And so once... Uh, once we sort of realise this connection between, okay, so this bottle of water that I've just drunk, the bottle is actually going to last longer than I am by probably uh, 500 years. So it seems a little bit mad and a, and a lot of people have started to say no to that and, and change their habits and, and not be using all of the excess plastic that we don't need. The main focus of the Plastic Free to Life Challenge and what we focus on in Cambodia as well is about the single-use plastics. It's not to say that all plastic needs to be cut out and that would be uh, a miracle, um, but more the stuff that we're just using for a really short time because it's just mounting up and mounting up and it's causing huge problems uh, in terms of um, landfills that are well beyond their uh, projected uh, limits. So many are filling up you know, years and years before they were projected to because we're increasing our consumption. Uh, and also the huge problem we see with plastic in the ocean, uh, which is affecting all of us. And one of the things I talk about when I'm, I'm working with a group is that even if we are living far away from the ocean, we all rely on the ocean. And so if we're polluting that ocean, we're actually inadvertently polluting ourselves as well. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen that documentary, A Plastic Ocean, and it was pretty shocking, um, I have to say. But for other listeners out there, um, Plastic Free July is a challenge that I'm not sure when it started, but it's it's one month where you 
are going to try and reduce the amount of plastic that you use. When, when did Plastic Free July start, Sarah? started in 2011 with a small group of people. I think it started with around 30 people in Perth, Australia. Uh, and it's it's grown massively since then. Um, last year, there were more than 90 countries, I think. It was more than 130. It's it's escalating quickly because everyone is uh, really keen to, you know, deal with this issue. Uh, and the challenge is about changing habits. And so that's why it works so nicely when you're focusing on something for a full month and you really start to change your behavior. Yeah, this was the first year that, oh, sorry, last year was the first year that I participated in it. And I mean, simple things like having a keep cup, having a reusable water bottle, um, having a tote bag, like they're probably the main plastic things that I would use. But over the years, especially this past year in Australia, people are really starting to take that direction and there's more people using keep cups and there's more people using tote bags. So from 2011 until now, I bet you've seen such a big change. I have, and I feel like the stories I hear from Australia are very encouraging. Uh, I think that here in Cambodia we're kind of um, working through a process where something like keep cups, um, they're available but they're not super common but the growth of coffee businesses here is huge. And so, unfortunately, I think that we're going to see things get a little bit worse before we see them get better. But it's great to see what Australia and other countries around the world are doing because my strong feeling for, for working on this is that we can, we can cut this cycle a lot shorter in Cambodia and possibly other parts of Southeast Asia by learning from what other countries have been through. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're here to talk about plastic-free Cambodia. So what are some of the environmental issues that you see? So I know you're saying that in Australia it's quite promising, but sometimes I guess it is really important to have these campaigns running in developing countries because especially the developing countries that are becoming more developed are starting to use that plastic more. What are, what kind of environmental issues have you seen in Cambodia that's kind of inspired you to take this cause and, and bring this cause to Cambodia? Uh, well, for me, it actually started um, trying to look at, at solutions for climate change. And Cambodia is one of the most vulnerable countries uh, in terms of the effect climate change has here because of infrastructure and um, many other many other factors. But to try and, and tackle climate change as as a whole thing, it seemed a bit high in the sky. So it was something that, you know, I noticed after living here for a while, it's really obvious how much um, plastic there is on, on the streets being used, being given out in the markets, being given out in the supermarkets um, and restaurants as well. They love a straw here. Uh, so I decided to focus on, on one issue that was really visible uh, and tangible. For Cambodia, like the excess use of plastic is really starting to cause a lot of problems for like sewage systems and the river systems. Uh, people that I speak to that are living out on the Tomasat Lake and rely on fishing uh, to, to survive are finding that half of the time their fish traps are coming back with more plastic than fish. Wow. Um, 
Yeah. And it's also something that when I speak to other travellers, and for sure it's influenced by the fact that they ask what I do and I tell them and every single person comments on, yeah, it's such a beautiful country, but wow, it's such a shame about how much rubbish there is on the streets. I actually actually thought CM Reap was a bit cleaner than some of the other places I've visited in Asia. It it was a shock travelling there and seeing how much rubbish there was. And, I mean, if you think that our waste management systems are already reaching capacity, then imagine countries that don't even have proper waste management systems. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so another um, obstacle we see here is because of that lack of infrastructure, um, a lack of waste management services that a lot of people deal with their waste by burning it, which is causing all sorts of other environmental issues and not to mention health issues uh, for those people um, that are most um, directly impacted by it on a daily basis. Do you know much about what the ramifications are from burning plastic? I do. I, I was lucky to have um, a volunteer help me on some research products and the burning of plastic is pretty horrific uh, from symptoms that humans can feel in the short term, like uh, dizziness and nausea, to really like long-term severe impacts on the basic shutdown of the systems and neurosystems and other vital organs. Um, and in particular, the strong link to the chemicals uh, that are believed to cause cancer. Yeah, I have I have heard that. I mean, I can picture so many times being in Asia and just seeing on the side of the road people burning their rubbish. But do they? So in Cambodia, do they have recycling facilities, or do they have a recycling collection? Uh, there's no recycling facilities in Cambodia as yet. Um, there has been some talk that, that one is possibly being set up in the future, but I'm not sure how long the timeline is on that. For the time being, there's an informal system. Uh, there are people that go around the cities looking for recyclable items, but the vast majority of the, the rubbish and the pollution we're seeing is not recyclable. So I guess the answer is not so much to push towards the recycling, but rather just push towards banning single-use plastic altogether. Yeah, that would be perfect. (laughs) And so when I was there, I know that a lot of restaurants and businesses are going down that path. Do you think that you could, that you've had something to do with that? (laughs) Uh, I think there's a, a wide community of people that... By supporting each other, it does encourage more people to get on board. Uh, and certainly I'm part of that community, but there are a lot of other passionate people living here as well. And is it a mixture of locals and also foreigners? It is a mixture. I am starting to find more and more of the locals that are passionate on this topic tend to be, uh, they tend to be a little bit more um maybe discreet in how they go yeah. about, you know, voicing their opinions and, and creating change on that. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, we're just in the process of recruiting um, some new trainers. And last night I met with eight young Cambodians that are working in the tourism sector. 
so enthusiastic and so passionate about doing something a little bit extra to help protect their country. It really does seem to be that younger generation rising up and kind of wanting to make these changes. I mean, I can only speak from experience, but when I went to one of the local markets, I was I had previously been to the, the restaurants, the tourist areas, and they were very clean, but the local markets still rely so much on plastic. I mean, like plastic bags for everything. Yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a, a whole lot of different schools of thought on that, but one of them is the that plastic is modern and it seems modern and versatile and clean. Um, it's not 100% true, but that's a lot of the perception is that, like, um, it can keep flies and the dust off the food and, and certainly that's a practical element of it. So that's why it's favoured a lot more than some of the more traditional forms of packaging. It's an interesting cycle because you're talking about countries that went from using, you know, banana leaves to wrap their food or they just there was a time where plastic just wasn't even a thing in these countries and it wasn't that long ago. But yeah. so you're talking about it's modern, so they're thinking that, oh, we're going to keep up with the rest, we're going to catch up with the rest of the world, we're going to use this modern great thing when actually if they would have stuck to what they were using, they Although, of course, they don't realise, but in order to be modern, they're actually being less environmentally friendly without their realisation at all. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's a big reason why our strong focus is on the educational aspect. And when we run our workshops, we refer to them as like educational but also motivational workshops because some people may know, but they're just going with the flow. Other people may not know. Yeah. Uh, and like you say, plastic's a relatively new thing. If we look at the recent history of Cambodia, they were shut off from the outside world for quite a while. And, um, you know, really embracing modern, modern things, plastic being one of them. Uh, so it's now about working again to, uh, to, I guess, circumvent that, seeing, like I said, what the other parts of the world are doing. I think there's a really good opportunity for Cambodia to sort of live out this phase a little bit more quickly than other parts of the world. So you started in Siem Reap and you were mentioning that you're branching out and doing workshops in other parts of the country. How has that been going? Yeah, really well. We are getting a lot of interest from... Uh, different areas of Cambodia and also different areas of Southeast Asia. Uh, we're still at the very early growth stages, so we can't always meet all of the needs if there's not uh, funding available, and often there isn't. We're super lucky to have some very passionate and, and dedicated people in these other cities that have been able to see what we were doing in Reap and and take it and basically set it up in their own cities from the ground up, which is wonderful. I mean, it's such a great initiative and I think when people really understand how big this issue is that we're dealing with and how much waste there is out there and how much single-use plastic there is out there, I think you can't help to want to get on board. I mean, when I found out about how many plastic straws there are in the oceans and how long it takes for a plastic water bottle to decompose. I just couldn't even look at plastic the same. <laughs> no, you and me both. <laughs> um, 
But uh, so tell us a little bit about some of the successes of Plastic Free Cambodia this year, or in, sorry, it's only January, last year. Last year. Uh, with regards to the July challenge? Or with regards to the July challenge, or just overall? Overall, okay. Well, so in the last um, 12 months, we really were able to make a big shift uh, in terms of our progress and we've been able to really solidify what our mission is uh, and expand our offerings. So for a long time, we were offering educational workshops, which is great and people are really loving them. We wanted to do a little bit more though and the ideal is to be able to stop using single-use plastics and so we incorporated consulting so we can help businesses take it out of their daily operations uh, and that's um, that's been a big step forward for us. So if we can help people stop plastic at the source, the, the reliance isn't so much on the individual to say, no, I don't want a plastic bag or no, I don't want a plastic straw, but that you go somewhere and you'd be like, oh, I don't want a plastic straw, and then they turn around and say, don't worry, we don't have them anyway, is um, is much better. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, even yeah. I've noticed here at some restaurants and bars, you ask for a straw and they'll say that there is none. There's no doubt that if we cut plastic at the source, it would be so easy to just stop using mm-hmm. it. But um, I know so many obstacles with that even here. Yeah. Another one of our successes has been finding more and more suppliers for alternative things. So where we can't uh, reduce, we, only, we can reduce to a certain extent, sometimes you're still going to need something. So let's see what we can do about making that a biodegradable product instead of a plastic product. So really seeking out the places that are supplying them and making that accessible to businesses here that need it. Actually, that's one thing that I really loved when I was there, seeing, so there were so many restaurants and even hotels that I went to that had um, bamboo straws or steel straws, and there's that organization that makes plastic bags, is it out of cassava plant or something like that? Yeah, that's right, yeah. I was, I mean, and I saw that a couple of years ago, so it's really good to see that there are, there are suppliers that you can get in Cambodia that will supply these other products that are so much more environmentally friendly. Yeah, and sometimes talking with people from other places, we have even more available to us here in Cambodia than in some parts of the world, which is which is a nice, nice thing. Have you done much with organisations that are actually using plastic to or reusing plastic? Yeah, uh, very hard on our relationships and um, it's a really supportive community so we are very fortunate that everyone is uh, working together and for sure we definitely keep in touch with organizations that are reusing plastic so one of our main partners here in Siemri that we run a monthly eco fair with is Rehash Trash I love uh, Rehash Trash (laughs) yeah creating (laughs) creating products from um old plastic bags that they that they collect off the side of the road. So for our listeners, I visited Rehash Trash when I was in Cambodia a couple of years ago and they basically get plastic bags um, from either 
Is it for, not from the streets or potentially? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They pick them up, the ones that have been discarded. Uh, I think maybe they perhaps go to some of the markets as well. Yeah. But they hire a few local guys to go and do so. They're also cleaning up off the street as well as reusing that plastic. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, and then they they wash the plastic. They get it all together, cut it up into little ribbons, and then weave it into tablecloths and mats and coasters and and they also employ women that are from marginalized backgrounds it's it's a lovely lovely little organization yeah it's a really lovely project and there was another one is it husk cambodia that were using plastic bottles to build they built a school yeah, um, so Husk have an education program and a sewing workshop and all of the buildings that they need for their school and, and sewing centre, they have built using plastic bottles. It was amazing when I saw that building made out of plastic bottles. I thought, wow. <laughs> yeah, like, it's quite remarkable, but they, they I guess they go one step further. It's not like you see a building that looks like it's been made out of plastic bottles. Yes, that's true. <laughs> a veneer over it, so it looks like a normal building. I, yeah, I remember just they had a um, a little window where you could see sort of how it's been made. So they stuffed the plastic bottles with rubbish and then they kind of put it in between two wires. And then is it concrete they put over the top or something like that? Not plaster or concrete, I'm not entirely sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still, amazing what these yeah. organisations in Cambodia are doing um, to reuse plastic. It's I just remember from going there, I really could feel that there are so many initiatives and that the, the conversation had been sparked, um, which is why I was just so impressed to find out about Plastic Free Cambodia and that there was this big movement happening. So what's um, what does the future hold for Plastic Free Cambodia? What's next? Oh, so many things, and some of them I can't share just yet, but... Um... <laughs> 2018 is going to be a very exciting year. We've got a lot of great projects on the horizon and definitely um, stepping up our involvement with education um, and huge potential to to make a big change in Cambodia and also start to influence some other parts of Southeast Asia. Just a side question, do you have any type of government or any, any type of government support? Or not yet? <laughs> um, we attend where we can any of the government conferences relating to this and we do have some, some key contacts in the government. Um, but at this stage, we haven't collaborated on any projects together. One of the big uh, events that happens every year at Angkor is um, for my new year. And it's still, it's still a dream in my mind at the moment, but I really hope that in the future we can work the government to reduce plastic for my new year. Is that that's April, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. And what about Plastic Free July? What are you guys doing this year? Oh, we'll um, we'll have to uh, have to wait and see. We might be doing something in, in partnership with Rehash Trash. And one of the big successes we had last year was uh, showing screenings of a plastic ocean. Uh, so something along those a good impact again the community really really loved um that movie and even though 
uh, it's in English and a lot of people couldn't understand the words, they could understand the concept. So it made a really big impact. If there's ever a movie that is going to make you think twice about plastic, it is A Plastic Ocean. It was one yeah. of the most shocking documentaries. And to everyone, it's on Netflix in Australia if you want to watch it. It is so informative. It's shocking. It's incredible. Um, and it just really sheds light on how big this issue is. Uh, so mm-hmm. I it really does. Yeah. And from a recent article that we saw, I think it might have been from The Guardian, but it highlighted the fact that most ocean plastic is actually coming from Asia. So that really, you know, that really has given us a lot more impetus to work bigger and faster uh, to try and reduce how much of the plastic from Asia is going into the ocean. I guess it's lucky that Cambodia is not surrounded by water, although, as you said, the Tonle Sap Lake, which is the biggest lake in Cambodia, and the people that live on that, that lake are suffering as well. Yeah, for sure. And all rivers lead to the sea. So, you know, a small little CM river over here connects to the Mekong, connects to the ocean. So it's, it is easy to, to feel like, okay, we're not so close, but everything's connected and it's all related. Even down here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. We can certainly do a lot to tackle our plastic usage. But it, I mean, people are talking about it. That, that's the best thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's a conversation that people are having and, you know, we just, as you know, well, Woolworths and Coles have still yet to implement their plastic bag ban. I don't know when it's going to happen, but sometime this year. Um, It's just one of those things that just needs to gain traction and, and, and it will. Do you think it will? I think it will, yeah. Uh, coming from South Australia, I saw the, the cycle we went through in banning plastic bags in South Australia. Um, I am a little bit disappointed that it, it relaxed somewhat. Uh, when they first brought the ban in, there were only reusable bags. Now they have quite, um, cheap, thicker plastic bags. Yeah. That, they say are reusable, but because they're cheap, people just keep buying them. It's no real incentive for them to remember to take them to the supermarket. So I think that the model can be enhanced. Yeah, because you you and um, sorry, South Australia, Tasmania, and I think Northern Territory phased them out. But, yeah, what was that like? Because I remember going there and there were a lot of those sort of the Aldi bags that you can get. I mean... Is, do you think it will ever get to a stage of like, okay, well, sorry, if you don't have your reusable bag, then you're going to have to carry your groceries in your arms. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'd ever get quite to that point, unfortunately, because there's always a money-making opportunity. Yes. <laughs> um, but when they first started, and I believe it was in 2009 in South Australia, they, they did a great job with the campaigning. Uh, they gave people lots of advance notice. So to begin with, they brought in, it was about a 20 cent per bag fee. So there was a period of that and all the while that was happening, they were being, okay, you've got six months left, you've got five months left, blah, 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 until you need to get your reusable bag. And so I think the reusable bag was maybe a dollar or two dollars initially. And I think at those very early days, it would have made quite a big difference. It was once they reverted back to these 15 cents what, what you refer to as Audi bags. Yeah. It was, I feel like it was once they reverted to that, they relaxed it a bit and 
you know, and maybe took it a, a little bit backwards from where it had been, from what had started off as a really strong campaign that had got people to change their behaviour. Well, hopefully once New South Wales and Queensland start to get some media about it, then it'll go back to that. But who knows? I mean, we haven't really heard anything here about a, a countdown, so to speak. So I don't know. Hopefully yeah. they haven't forgotten about it. <laughs> yeah, hopefully um, not. Yeah, I'm not sure how they'll roll it out. Then of the course there's... Whether it was government or whether it was, yeah, whether it was the supermarkets that led that, I'm not sure. Well, we've got that one. We've got the keep cup thing now. A couple of cafes around here won't let you get a coffee unless you've got your – well, they'll let you get a coffee, but you have to have it there. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then it's the plastic water bottles and the straws. I've seen a couple of companies giving out the uh, steel straws, but not no no bamboo straws here actually. Must be an oh. Asian thing. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of bamboo over here and um, – we recently met an organisation that are making sure that their bamboo is sustainable, so they're replanting and ensuring that they've got, um, yeah, renewable sources, which is great. It'd be nice to see the day in our lifetime where we kind of look back and think, geez, who thought of that idea? <laughs> yeah. What were yeah. we thinking? <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, Indeed. education is the most yeah. important. And it, it's great to see um, that that's a lot of what your organisation focuses on. And, um, yeah, hopefully, you know, you have the capacity to grow. And Are you go- looking to branch out into other parts of Asia? Um, I mean, it would be amazing if we could find people in, in other areas that wanted to come on board. Uh, in the first instance, though, it will probably be seeking out opportunities for uh, for me or members of the Cambodian team to go out and, and share our knowledge. Well, if there's um, anyone out there listening <laughs> yeah. from other parts of Asia or anywhere in the world, if you're sick of seeing plastic, join Plastic Free, <laughs> whatever country you're in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, there's definitely a lot of interest for it. People that I've spoken to in, in other countries, in Vietnam, Thailand, uh, even Myanmar are like, wow, we need this. We need this where we are too. So there's definitely a demand for it. And I hope it happens soon before the before more plastic starts getting in there. So it's kind of in this period now, as you were saying, so coffee is becoming really popular and soon it will be, you know, so many coffee cups everywhere. But if they can sort of, is it leapfrogging is what they call it? Yeah. Yeah, leapfrogging is a good term. <laughs> Leapfrog that <laughs> and go straight into the sustainable options. That would be mm-hmm. that would be yeah. preferable. But um, well, thank you so much so. for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and um, yeah, there's a lot of good resources. Uh, I'll put them all up on the description of the podcast. Um, if where where can our listeners find out more information about what you do? Uh, at plasticfreecambodia.com and social media facebook and instagram okay awesome well thank you so much it's so good to talk to you you too and good luck with everything in the future for plastic free cambodia and plastic free july and hopefully i'll be able to pop over there again shortly (laughs) yeah let's hope so it'll be great to see you again you too see you later okay bye